The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Tuesday. It's Hale Var City Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We're loaded up. Hope you don't blow away or melt, but uh, we'll fight through it. Is uh, baseball around the corner for Omaha? We'll talk some CWS with Mitch Sherman and Brad Edwards. Uh, Brad spent uh, 25 years with ESPN. And a lot of those uh, times in Omaha, it's part of the road to Omaha. We'll get to some college football with both of those guys. It's also a Tuesday with Kaz. Rick Kaczynski will dive in, get his take on not only recruiting Iowa for the for the Hawkeyes, but also recruiting Iowa for Nebraska. A uh, little bit of a follow-up from the Scott Docterman athletic story about you know a state of four million that has two power fives that gets hit up by about everybody, the border states, and also from time to time, some big dogs. We touched on that yesterday. We'll hear uh, from Deshaun Watson. We'll also hear from John Rahm uh, with the PGA. He had some pretty, uh, well, some truth serum, quite frankly, in the world of golf as the U.S. Open gets going Thursday. Well, now, truth, truth serum in the world of golf. I don't think we've had very much of that recently. That sounds refreshing. Well, he's his comment was really cool. Uh, and I, listen, if you want to go make uh, $40 million or $140 million and go play in the, in, in the, the, uh, the new tour, go for it. I don't hate on anyone for going to make more money. But what you don't want to do is water down and have two okay leagues, hmm. right? You, you just you just don't. I mean, PGA's been pretty star-studded, and you've had a, a whole generation of guys influenced by the Tigers and Phils of the world. You don't want, for the sake of money, uh, sacrificing some glory, I guess. But a lot of money can buy you some glory <laughs> in your own mind. Numbers to get in can join us at 46637. Seven six four six six three seven seven six eight hundred eight two five five eight six five. Okay, that's the number to dial up uh, in Lincoln or outside wherever you hear us across the state, and can email the show Chris at HaleVarsity dot com. Uh, find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore Radio and at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. Really good story on ESPN Plus about the topic of reputation. Think about your favorite football program that you go check out on 10th and Vine. What is their reputation? Well, the reputation was anonymously talked about not long ago in Athlon. We talked to Coach McBride yesterday 
and this is what he's hearing about Nebraska. And Nebraska's, listen, Nebraska has been bad-mouthed in the past because they were killing everybody. And Nebraska's bad-mouthed now. And coaches never stop being coaches, even if they retire. Football's always a topic of conversation. And what's the word on Nebraska? We'll get there in a minute. This is what Coach said yesterday. This isn't what he believes Nebraska is, but this is what everyone's loading up and saying about Nebraska. Shouldn't say everyone, but just the the narrative around him. Retired coach Charlie up in Michigan. Let me tell you something. The word the word around is is they're not winning and not gonna. They're down in the tank. They're bottom feeders. I mean, I've I've heard all kinds of things. That's a snippet, full interview, of course, Hale Varsity podcast at ESPN Lincoln On Demand. That, again, that's not what Coach is saying about Nebraska. That's what's being said about Nebraska. And he's not far from Michigan. He's not far from Michigan State. He has contacts at Ohio State. That's, that's a perception thing, right? And we get into some programs that are poised to change their reputation. And the story has four football coaches on the cover. Mel Tucker, uh, Mario Cristobal, Jimbo. Jimbo's got that death stare. And then Gundy and his mullet. His mullet not pictured separately but hidden, which is frustrating. But he's got the nice white turtleneck, and he's got this grin. So I think of those four programs, and then we can we can add in, let's just for good measure, Talk Texas and Nebraska. The Athletic just did uh, a story on some of the ales for Texas and Steve Sarkeesian in year one. Let me know if this sounds familiar. Okay. Um, well, one, they struggled with offensive line play. Two, uh, their run defense was garbage. Three, inconsistency at quarterback. Lack of confidence throughout the team. Didn't have cohesion. Team chemistry and accountability was a joke. And they weren't really bought in to do it for the other guy next to him. (laughs) Five and seven. Overtime loss against Kansas. Year one. Sark's already on the hot seat. A year. A year later. And then we get to Nebraska. Some things kind of cross over, don't they? Offensive line play. Nebraska's run defense, I would give a good rating to. I'd give it a B. Yeah, I'd give it a B. B's perfect. That's where I was going, too. It faded at the end, but it faded because it kept taking body shots for, for most of I the mean, season. Th- there were games where it was an A, but then you had other games where it was a C. So Or, 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 or not. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, I think you ended the last two or three games giving up 200 on the ground. Yeah, Michigan State was an A. Wisconsin was probably a D. Well, uh, Minnesota Mi- was probably a C minus. Well, in Michigan, I mean, Michigan oh, yeah. ran for two bills on you, and then Iowa probably ran for two bills on you. <laughs> okay, I mean, so B's fair. B's B's fair. Uh, maybe maybe generous generous, but I think what we we talk about that that Sparty game. I mean, that's on a scale of of, of a four That Sparty game was five point five. Hmm. That's how magnificent it was, right? So. Nebraska and Texas kind of ran into some similar issues. The difference being one was a new head coach in year one. 
Nebraska had a, a fourth-year head coach trying to get over that hump. And we talk about changing the, the conversation, changing the reputation that's earned every Saturday. And it's funny, you have one good year, and people are talking about Michigan State as a as a program that can can go to that elite level. Listen, I it sounds funny to say about Michigan State being at an elite level, but they were not very long ago at an elite level. They beat Michigan, who was your playoff participant from the Big Ten, and they went eleven and two. Really good. Now is that is that luck with the portal? No, I think Tucker is really organized and pretty smart with his NFL background and being a Saban disciple. Can he continually do 11-2? and two? I don't think so. But he can get back to 11-2, and two, and that's why he got $9.5 million. Sparty's comfortable where they are. Very comfortable where they are. I get it. Be happy with the guy you landed. He didn't leave for LSU. Is Sparty a destination gig? I wouldn't think so, but maybe he likes it. He's familiar with it. So that's the question mark about Michigan State. What's their reputation? Are they have they arrived? Or are they are they getting some pats on the back still from a really good surprise season? If I'm going to label Sparty right now, it's a one hit wonder. But maybe they can write another song. Miami to me is. Just uh, maybe they got it right, finally, because they've been part of that coaching carousel where they're making a hire, going back to the U. Let's get in Miami. Oh, wait, he's not delivering. So let's blow somebody out. Mario Cristobal is a tough dude, good on the lines of scrimmage. They plucked him from Oregon because uh, he's a he's a two time champion with the Canes. Miami finally after all the mulligans, probably got it right. A&M, delusional. Okay? Money can buy status. Money can buy talent. But can it buy an SEC West or SEC championship? Time will tell. Jimbo's done it as an assistant in the SEC. Can he do it as a head coach? Texas, they're labeled, they're just entitled. I think it's their birthright to be a college football playoff team. You haven't won that much, and when you did win, you you had a dip of a season and you blew out Uncle Mac. And you've been rushing and running, and you've been very, very quick to pull the trigger on the next new. Because who you hired didn't get it done quick enough. Doesn't happen like that. So Texas lacks patience. They're entitled. Two programs that are on this list of programs trying to change their reputation. Some have good reputations. Some are trying to go to that elite level. The next and last program is Oklahoma State. Mm. They've been comfortable in their own skin. Uh, the Mullets won 8, 9, 10, 11 games. If he has a bad year, it's 7 and 6. But he's poised to take over and, uh, and be the king of the leftovers. Once Oklahoma and Texas bolt... Who else is going to rule the Big 12? Okie State's been beating Texas pretty consistently. They aren't great against Oklahoma, but once in a while, every five or six years, they they snap 
and they beat Oklahoma. Now, Gundy against the Stoops era, not so great. (laughs) But once in a while, you get it done. Oklahoma State, every so often, is really, really good and really, really dangerous. They're just not quite to the Spartan level where under D'Antonio, you, you, you put together three consecutive top sevens, a top three, and a top five. Well, I mean, the, the place Oklahoma State is right now is pretty much where Michigan State was, I'd say, 10 years ago under D'Antonio, where you're trying to, to change your status as a little brother within your own state. Michigan was down 10, 15 years ago. And Michigan State was able to take that that chance. And for, I'd argue, a decade, they were the better team in their state. They were they, big brother been, in their state. They've been very good. I mean, you, you look at all the Michigan turnover with the, the Rich Rod era, right? And then, you know, once they got rid of Lloyd because he wasn't winning championships every year, can you, can you be content to be consistent and win eight, nine, ten ball games and go win a big game here and there and build up and realize that it's not a reload where you're, where you're Bama or Clemson or Georgia every year, or Ohio State. Everybody else is, you're climbing the mountain to see what the sunset looks like at the top. Then you're going to have to do it again. you got to climb down and climb back up. Some people live on, on the top of the mountain, and there's about four or five programs that do it. They're like the Sherpas from Mount Everest. Exactly. They, they don't have to go through all the, the acclimatization process no, for they, the, they, the, they, the, the altitude. They do the heavy lifting and they were born out the there. It's, yeah. it's all they know. So we get to the reputations, right? Teams poised to change their reputation. I think you have Oklahoma State and Michigan State that have good reputations. I think you have Texas and Texas A and M that have inflated reputations. Miami's trying to find an identity. They finally have with their homegrown dude. And then there's Texas and Nebraska, right? Trying to get back to to to, to blue blood again. Nebraska's reputation is what right now? It's a team that should be better than it is. Okay? That is it. Nebraska's reputation right now, not this 2022 team, but leading into it, it's a team in transition. And it's been constant transition, be it portal, be it transfers, be it coaching staff, and as as a program, it's been it's been a merry-go-round because every four or five years, it's all right, this guy's not getting it done. Let's move on to the next, and finally, we'll find our answer. So uh, Nebraska and Texas very similar uh, with reputations, and, and Texas is different because of of it's it's Sark, it's new, it's year one going into year two with a lot of heat. And then it's no different than than with Herman being there or with Charlie Strong being there or with, you know, ever since Mac, who had a really good long run that that won a championship. But Nebraska's reputation is is as a underachiever right now. Well, when you look at recruiting, when you look at talent and when you look at just execution mess, it's a mess. And you've been here five years and the time is now. And Nebraska is in a similar spot, Elijah. I mean, they're going to be leaning on young guys to be good. I mean, it's that's the problem. And it's part of the problem with that constant transfer and transition where somebody new comes in and, all right, what's the cupboard look like? And we got to bring in some talent and we're going to play you early. 
and are guys developed or are they ready? And that's not always been the case. Well, yeah, it, it's it's the reputation, which I think Texas holds true. And you call it underachievers, which I'd almost call that a little bit of sugarcoating. What I'd say that the threat has been has been it's a team full of talented losers. And that sounds harsh. And I don't mean losers in a sense like the the, the You're not a good way. dude. But it, it's the, the guys that don't know how to win. It's the same down at Texas. Texas goes out there and they out-talent the other team a lot and they find a way to lose. Nebraska has had that same reputation, even dating back to the Bo Pelini years, of being a team that is more talented than the other side of the field, but you're going to find a way to lose that football game. Difference being Nebraska with Bo, they'd lose to a top five Sparty. Mm-hmm. All right, they weren't losing that often to Minnesota. They weren't losing to Iowa. They weren't losing to But you'd get to the Big Illinois. 12 championship game or the Big Ten championship game. And- yeah, those big, big moments yeah, on that sure. monster stage. Absolutely. We'll dive in a little more ball and thoughts with Mitch Sherman next. Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price. That means that you can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Uh, some thoughts here on programs trying to change their reputation or make a jump. Uh, Miami, one of those teams, the athletic reporting that Miami facing an NCAA inquiry Regarding their NIL deals, we welcome in from The Athletic, Mitch Sherman, at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Mitch, how we doing? I'm good. Was it the was it the booster who was threatening to pull the contract of a player who wanted to transfer? Or I don't know what it was. If You know, leave it to Miami for being the most brazen. Of all. <laughs> I mean, everyone's, everyone's violating the spirit of NIL and, and the rules and the way that they were created, but leave it to Miami, uh, which has always been at the forefront of pushing the envelope, to just completely ignore any attempt to look like you're playing within the rules. So I, I think the, the I you didn't ask me this question, but I, I feel like they're getting made an example of in this situation in, in, in hopes by the NCAA that other schools will, will see that and just decide to at least give the appearance that they, <laughs> that they are, uh, you know, trying to, to do this thing right. Play, play by the rules. You're not above the law. Uh, I mean, you know, Miami Vice right. was sweet back in the day, but, you know, the cops, cops always won. <laughs> right. And, I mean, play by the rules means something a lot different than it did a exactly. year ago. But, but you can get away with a lot of stuff. But there is some kind of a line, and Miami in the opening months of NIL and everything that has happened over since since last July has just jumped right past that thing like uh, like a few other programs. But and, and that's not a surprise. What line are we talking? I don't see a line. Mitch Sherman's with us. Mitch, uh, we're talking reputations here, and, and Miami's one of those three programs trying to change their reputation. Uh, Michigan State's probably trying to solidify theirs uh, beyond a one-hit wonder. A&M's trying to kind of 
jump that tier of really good program or respectable eight and four, nine and three to, you know, power broker. And then there's Oklahoma State who's just kind of quietly really good year after year. And they jump up to to knock on a on a conference title door. What what definition comes to your mind about Nebraska? What's Nebraska's reputation right now? It's not great, mm. obviously. I mean, I, we can just continue to beat that about five consecutive losing seasons. Tag on if it was USC or Oklahoma or Texas, and, and they had gone through some of these doldrums that have hit Nebraska, uh, it, it would be similar. And, and I think Nebraska's reputation right now is a school that tries to talk big but doesn't back it up on the field. That, and that's just, the, that's just the unfortunate reality of what's happened in, in Lincoln in, in recent years. So, you know, the opportunity exists right in front of Nebraska to improve that reputation, to change the, the, the perception, to change the reality. But right now, uh, it, 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 I mean, they're coming off a three and nine season. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's just, those are just the cold hard facts. So uh, the, the reputation, I think once you get outside of the state of Nebraska, there isn't necessarily a whole lot of talk about, hey, this is an excellent transfer class that Nebraska brought in, or they're generating momentum because of the changes on the coaching staff, or, hey, if you look at the losses that Nebraska had last year, it's easy to see that they were close in a number of those games. And you know, just a few changes here or there could, could be the thing that flips the switch. Those aren't the things that Nebraska fans look at when they're examining programs in other major conferences. So it stands to reason that if you're in the SEC, a fan of an SEC program or somebody who coaches or plays in or works around an SEC program or Pac-12 or Big 12, whatever it might be, and you look at Nebraska, basically you look at the results and you see five consecutive losing seasons. So that, that is going to lead to a reputation of a team right now that um, has an inflated opinion of itself because Nebraska still talks a big game. And, you know, that's understandable. There's a great history there, but they're not living up to that history. Mitch Sherman's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Mitch, of course, with The Athletic, at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Mitch, uh, there, there has been some momentum uh, in the form uh, on the recruiting trail, and uh, Nebraska's Absolutely. done really well with that. I want to get your take on, on Van Poppel, what the commitment means mm-hmm. in, in your eyes, and uh, also just the need. You, need. you need a Texas kid, and you need a defensive lineman, yeah. and Nebraska got, right. uh, got both. And you need to be able to beat Michigan on the recruiting trail. Uh, He was set to go to Michigan on an official visit later this week. Defensive tackle has been a spot that has been a struggle for Nebraska in in recruiting. And this is another example with Brian Applewhite in in command as one of the um, Nebraska's point men in recruiting the state of Texas. Of course, Mike Dawson and Eric Tender chipped in as defensive coaches. Dawson as the position coach, the future position coach. Uh, for Riley Van Poppel. Um, but all of those things that, that you mentioned and that I mentioned about the position that he plays, uh, his, his stature nationally as a four-star prospect, being from the state of Texas where Nebraska needs to reestablish itself uh, in a bigger way, taking a, a recruit away from Michigan, that, that the Big Ten champs, um, the reigning Big Ten champs, the college football playoff team from last year wanted and expected to have on a visit this month 
those are all those are all big things. Um, you know, Nebraska had to go to the portal in this last cycle to fill out needs on the defensive line, and that's fine. And and it was needed, and it's the best way to do it to to make this thing work at that position in 2022. But thinking beyond that, you you have to develop, you have to recruit talent, bring it in, um, and and turn the recruits that you sign into multi-year contributors. That is the that is the the best path to having sustained success. Better than. Uh, better than the portal. Um, the portal is a is a is a quick uh, is a quick fix, which is what Nebraska needs right now. But beyond this year, it needs more like Riley Denpopel. Now, Mitch, to tie together these these first two topics we've hit on here, I mean, you mentioned the fact that the, the transfer portal isn't sustainable in the long run, but I look at a school which has changed its reputation in recent years and become a, a player in the Pac-12 in, in Utah. And Utah, I mean, they don't have a, a huge recruiting footprint of their own, uh, but they do go get some, some good talent out of other states, and then they'll, they'll fill in the rest of the spots with transfer portal additions, and they've turned themselves into a very good program in the Pac-12. Is that a reasonable comparison for what Nebraska could be trying to build here over the next couple of years uh, uh, that they have talent from across the country uh, including around their own hometown and then they also go fill in the, the blanks with, with transfer portal additions guys that didn't necessarily pan out other places but can work out there yeah I think it's a model that Nebraska can look at there are a number of programs out there and, and that's one of them it's a team that you know I, 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 I thought um, in, in some of the reporting I've done this summer about about like a blind taste test of programs. And if you laid out the characteristics of certain programs, you know, you can go inside the conference, inside the Big Ten, outside the Big Ten, and you laid out those characteristics and, and you told um, a Nebraska fan, um, you know, the good and the bad about various programs. I think their opinions and their, um, you know, their desire for the Huskers to be like those programs would be quite a bit different in some cases than it would be if you just said, hey, do you want to emulate program X, Y, or Z? And not to say that Nebraska fans wouldn't want to emulate Utah. Um, I think they would. Um, but I think you'd get more positive feedback about it if you just listed the traits of the Utah program um, in, a, in a way that you did right there. So I, I, the, the transfer portal is a sustainable way to supplement your roster. It isn't a sustainable way to build the bulk of your, your starting lineup. And, you know, Nebraska went out, credit to the coaches on this staff for the work that they've done since December and found 15 Division One transfers. That is fantastic for what Nebraska needs to do in 2022. It isn't going to be the recipe every year for this thing to work. You're going to have to do it um, in smaller pieces through the portal and then um, primarily in, by building and developing after you recruit the players who best fit your system. We talked about Van Poppel, a recruiting win yesterday for Nebraska. Let's dive into Caden McIntyre, Fremont Bergen, uh, really wowed a lot of programs, is headed to, to Sooterland, and uh, that's another in-state kid that gets away, and that's rare, but it's becoming less rare because of well, the, the prowess. There's a lot of good football players, Mitch, in the state of Nebraska. 
Yeah, he's not going to be the last guy in this class that Nebraska loses, um, that, that, that Nebraska's made an offer to who, who decides to leave and go out of state. And that's just the reality of, um, of the way things are in college football today. I, I think McIntyre fits a little bit along the lines of the players from Omaha who, who left a year ago in the, in the class of 2022 um, in that he didn't really uh, look hard, I, I would say, at least from my, from my perspective, mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, he didn't take an official visit to Nebraska. You know, they had a conversation um, after he got the offer. Um, I know he spoke with Barrett Rude. They, 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 they talked. But I never really got the feeling that Cade McIntyre was in any way seriously in play for Nebraska. Now, we may find out differently if he, if, if he speaks on this. But that's, that's, that's how I, I viewed it. I felt like um, Kansas State did a nice job with him early in the process. And then when Oklahoma came in, uh, like that was going to be the the home for him. So I don't necessarily view it as a big recruiting, you know, miss for Nebraska because to miss on something, to really miss on something, I think you have to at one point have been in decent shape to land that 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 player. Mm-hmm. And in this one, much like we saw with the likes of Devin Jackson, the linebacker from Omaha Burke, who's headed to Oregon, and Micah Riley Ducker at Auburn, and Caden Helm. And, and Deshaun Woods, who you know ended up in Wyoming, but was committed to to um, Missouri last year out of Omaha Central. Uh, you know the Huskers they, they 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 weren't really in position at any time as a as a favorite of those players. Now the rest um, or some of the rest of the top prospects around the state of Nebraska, when you look at Malachi Coleman at Lincoln East and Maverick Noonan at, at Elkhorn South, those would be significant recruiting misses for Nebraska if those players choose to go out of state because they have taken long, hard looks and made official visits already to Lincoln. So the Huskers are in position to be able to, to, to win the recruiting race for those guys. And, and you know, assessing what Nebraska is doing in state this year, and there have been several wins already, um, those are the two guys I'm going to look at the most in, in what their decisions are uh, to make a full evaluation about how Nebraska has done in trying to reverse its fortunes with with in-state talent. Mitch, about 15 seconds, bud. Uh, Give me your pick for the CWS. Man, I love that side of the bracket with Texas and Texas A&M and Notre Dame and Oklahoma. That just feels like it's going to be a lot of fun out there um, on Friday and then on Sunday. Um, I'm going to go with Stanford from the other side, the highest seed remaining. Um, This Stanford team can hit. Like, like a number of Stanford teams that have come to Omaha haven't been able to do in recent years. They can always pitch. Um, and I think there's something special about this group of uh, this group um, from Palo Alto. They came back in the regional and the super regional um, from deficits. So that's my pick, and, you know, we'll, we'll see uh, if they can pull it off. Mitch, we'll check in next week, bud. Thanks for a few minutes. All right. Okay, take care, Chris. Thanks. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor of Hale Varsity. I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe promo code GBR. Chime in 402-466-ESPN or email the show chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. 
Big thanks to Mitch Sherman. That full interview, we talked reputations. We talked to Nebraska, some CWS, some recruiting. So all of it handled with Mitch Sherman from The Athletic, ESPN, Lincoln.com. On demand, where you go for that interview. Also, the uh, full replay on ESPN, Lincoln, Twitter, and Facebook. Get the podcast. Subscribe today. Uh, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. Please do so. Uh, you'll enjoy it, uh, no doubt. And thanks for all the subscriptions you guys have uh, been uh, been downloading. Uh, all the episodes. Really absolutely appreciate that. want to remind you about the yearbook and Hail Varsity. And uh, right now, when you check out Hail Varsity, you can enter in the promo code GBR. And when you do that, uh, Hail Varsity subscription to the magazine, get uh, $10 off the annual price, uh, $79.99 with that code GBR. So take advantage of that. And uh, again, the uh, code GBR takes 10 bucks off. You get the uh, the magazine, the digital. It is a wonderful bundle. Get to hailvarsity.com backslash subscribe. And may I suggest Christmas in July present for a loved one? Absolutely. It's a great deal. Just, just your load Oscar up. Fan. Get five of them. Get five of them and hand them out and you'll be, uh, <laughs> you won't be Cousin Eddie at the eggnog bowl. That's always an important thing. Uh, you want to talk pariahs? Let's talk to Sean Watson. So uh, he had his first presser with the Cleveland media, reiterating today he's innocent of numerous allegations of inappropriate sexual conduct during massage sessions that have been made against him. Yet, uh, while the Browns quarterback said once again he has no regrets of any of his actions, he admitted that he does regret the impact the allegations have had on people around him. A little bit more from Deshaun Watson. And listen, I I don't know the guy. I loved watching him at Clemson. I thought he battled uh, at a high level and was fun with the Texans. Then he had the ACL, right? And now he's in Cleveland. And just as, as a player... You put him on that squad with that O-line, with some of the wideouts, and I know they're, not, they're a far cry with, with some of the tools and, and stars Baker had to work with, but Cleveland's, Cleveland was knocking on the door to, to go to a Super Bowl with Baker at quarterback. Deshaun's a monster upgrade, assuming he ever plays. That's the question mark. But here is Watson earlier from his media session. Uh, I think, yeah, I think that question uh, kind of, you know, triggered a lot of people, not just women in general, but a lot of people from this, you know, in the league, from women to to males and things like that. And what I was saying is, yes, I I never assaulted, disrespected or harassed anyone. But at the same time, I do understand that uh, I do have regrets as far as the impact that it's have on the community and people outside of just myself. You know, and that includes my family, that includes this organization, that includes my teammates in this locker room that have to answer to these questions, that includes, you know, the fan base of the Cleveland Browns, that includes males, females, everyone across the, the world, you know. So uh, that's one thing I do regret is the impact that it's have triggered on so many people. And, um, yeah, it's, it's tough to, to have to, you know, deal with. But as far as your, your actions, you don't have any regrets about anything that you've actually done? You know, like I said, I never assaulted anyone, or I never harassed anyone, or I never disrespected anyone, or I never forced anyone to do anything. That's his word, 
That's his word in front of a bunch of reporters. The New York Times reporting last week the uh, that Watson booked appointments with at least 66 different women over 17 months from the fall of 2019 through the spring of 2021. The list of 66 comprises the 24 women that have filed lawsuits against Watson. A woman sued Watson but then withdrew the complaint. Two women who filed uh, criminal complaints against Watson did not sue him. At least 15 therapists who issued statements of support for Watson at the request of his lawyers. And there's at least four therapists contracted with the Texans. Five women identified by the plaintiff's lawyers uh, during the investigation for their lawsuits and at least 15 other women whose appointments with Watson were confirmed through interviews and records reviewed by the New York Times. So there's a lot of smoke. Was he inappropriate? He says, no, you have lawsuits that claim otherwise. Either it's a money grab or he's a scumbag. Well, and I just hate that response from him of, well, I didn't do anything wrong here. Well, I, I'm, I'm not sorry but, to these but, women. But, I'm, I'm sorry for I'm sorry that well, these women accuse me of this because of what it's done to my friends and my family. That's just. But if it, and I don't know, we don't know. We don't know what happened. We have two sides of the story. And if he didn't do anything, you can't admit guilt if you didn't do anything wrong but there's too much again smoke here to to look at it and go well is everybody lying and i i mean i'd rather someone tarnish an image and reputation and, and him not be a creep than him really be this guy that's making people uncomfortable and asking for uh <clears throat> inappropriate massages so there's the update but he's not he's not going to jump on camera and say you know if i did do something wrong i didn't mean to i mean he's not going to admit any guilt here because he's going to presumably fight for for eligibility uh fight these lawsuits i think he's done for a year but i don't think this is a situation where he's suspended uh, indefinitely i think if it gets cleared up um, somehow, some way. To me, with the urgency that's going on with Cleveland and Carolina to move Baker, Cleveland's front office must know something. <laughs> I mean, if they're trying to get a deal done to get Baker into to Carolina camp for for uh, for summer, then maybe maybe Watson will play. Or Cleveland's already got their plan B. If Watson's watching and there's no way after the way things have gone with Baker that he's going to come in and play for him ever again. I think that's more of the, the reality than than them just saying, hey, you know, well, well, Deshaun might be on the shelf. Baker, how, how's that shoulder doing, son? You, you ready to hand off? Well, I'm just in, like with with how the Browns have handled this. I'm inclined. Do you to even believe... trade for the guy with all this floating out there for two hundred and thirty million dollar contract? No, I mean, I'm inclined to believe the Browns just said, "Look at this guy's talent. We think this will all blow over. We think people will, won't care. People will forget." And it's when you look at the the mounting evidence, the numerous women that have come forward. I, I'm inclined to think that Deshaun Watson is is in the wrong here. So, well, and and that may be, and there 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 could be some. Civil suits that are won by the uh, the women accusing him, and there's a payout, and you you move on. There there may be a lot of payouts. 
we'll we'll see. We, we have courts for a reason, but there's just so much evidence against Deshaun here that it's... Well, but the other part of it, too, is, I mean, he, per New York Times, he gave five grand to this gal's chop, right? To, to air quote, help some people out. And now... And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time this hour, Brad Edwards, college football insider. We'll talk some CWS with Brad as well. Then Rick Kaczynski next hour. Don't forget uh, your chance to continue to check out ESPNLincoln.com for your summertime needs. can log on and sign up and try and win uh, with your friends at Super C, uh, say aloha to summer. That's grills, that's tents, that's chairs, that's a cooler, that's a portable speaker. Meet the toss on the grill and just enter to win that. ESPNLincoln.com, your chance to enter in and uh, get qualified for a $100 Super C gift card contest end September 6th. Elijah, when's the last time you filled up and how much did you bleed? I didn't fill up completely today. I oh, so you're, you're just kind of... Popping off? Are you going the, the Kenny the Jed Smith route? Well, I think we're getting our next paycheck here in the next week, so it's not tomorrow. Not, I think it's tomorrow. Yeah, I was I was one hundred percent sure, but I thought it was sometime here soon. So I just thought, give me enough to get to the next paycheck, and then uh, I'll feel a lot better about the the numbers in my bank account after I fill up. So I think I threw in 25? 20, 25 bucks today and got like a little over a third of a tank, which is great. <laughs> no, I, right? We're getting we're getting loaded up for. Uh, for Durango, Colorado. Yeah, have fun with that road trip. Uh, you know what, Mama Bear is got a second mortgage on the house. We're for that taking guess. we're taking her vehicle, and um, yeah, dude, uh, we have a weird household financial dynamic. So there are certain things like travel ball and hotel and stuff. She uh, she's helping. She hasn't hit me up yet. Anyway, <laughs> hey, uh, can you pass the hat? Um, I'm wondering that'll be that'll be at baseball tonight. So we have uh, four nights a hotel. Are, are you going to chip in on this? I'm like, no. When's the last mortgage you chipped in on? We're going to get that arm wrestling match right out of the way. <laughs> Panhandling. It's okay. It's all right. So um, uh, you would you recommend married life to me? Like, I mean, it just it sounds like a, a bit of a hassle there. That. Hey. She's all right. Be careful with your words. She might be listening. <laughs> no, she's not. Absolutely not. No, she's cool. I mean, I've been with her since These are high the second national championship, for the love of God, since 1995. She has not murdered me in my sleep yet. This is shocking. But, no, she's cool. But, yeah, as far as... <laughs> I can't give you great advice as far as communication goes. Be better than I am, is mm. the point. Mm. Let's get you buckled up for sure. Using your seatbelt saves lives, prevents injuries. Only if you properly buckle in a message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Level of surprise, Golden State's up 3-2. to two. Oh, man. I'm surprised that they're up 3-2 to two after Steph's performance last yeah, he, night. If he goes 0-9 from 3 and struggles, like 7-17, you got to win that game. I mean, he was. I mean, did you see that free throw that he missed off front iron? It's the worst free throw, or it's the worst I've ever seen Steph Curry miss a free throw. And I saw that. I went, oh, something's off with Steph tonight. Well, he, went, was for, the, he went for forty three after the in, air quote injury. But this was the first time last night that he has ever made it through a playoff game without knocking down a three pointer. First time in his career, over a hundred and thirty games. No, I. The difference though was Wiggins, and Wiggins was over from three as well. But guess what? The beauty of shot selection with Wiggins. If it wasn't working from the outside, Wiggins didn't force it. 
He didn't keep chucking it up like Russ. Now it sets up a fun Game 6 matchup where it's Game 6 Clay, the legend of, of Clay Thompson in Game 6 against Boston in a closeout game at home knowing – or not a closeout game, uh, an elimination game at mm-hmm. home knowing they got a winner or their season's done. That should be a fun, fun game. So nope, it'll be good uh, Good for, for Wiggins, though, with taking some mid-range, right? Uh, we'll check in Brad Edwards next. Like what you hear, high-quality radio and podcast is part of what we do at Hale Varsity. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. Welcome to Hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hail Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back into it, it's Hour 2, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, coming up, we'll check in with Rick Kaczynski. Good stuff on the athletic when it comes to the state of Iowa and how many uh, Division One prospects they're churning out. We're talking about eight, uh, going from eight a year to, well, double that uh, over the last uh, six years, 84 uh, three-star and better players in the a lot of the Midwest in on him. We say hi to college football insider, longtime member of ESPN College Game Day. Also, a lot of years covering the College World Series. And uh, his book, uh, The Bama Dynasty, Brad Edwards back with us. Brad, good to spend time with you. Thanks for jumping on. It's been a while, but I uh, love this time of year and love having you on. Thanks for uh, for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me, Chris. I think it was uh either right before or right after the national championship game uh, for, for football was the last time we spoke. And so it has been a while, but um, this is the, uh, this is the time of year where I know uh, Nebraska is, is getting all warmed up for, uh, for college baseball and to decide that thing on the field. And uh, that, that was always a fun time. I, I can't recall off the top of my head how many I was out there for, but it was several. And um, there were some, really good ones there were some that uh, weren't so dramatic mm-hmm. um, but it was usually hot and and uh, Elijah tells me it's going to be another another steamy one uh, for for the folks who are coming in from all over although m- most of them are coming in from the south mm-hmm. so um, so I, I guess it might not be that different of, of weather from what they're coming out of you uh you, you say they're coming in from the south you can just say they're coming in from the sec exactly <laughs> so aside from aside from notre dame i want to get your perspective and i was talking to a couple of folks that that are in sec country and you know you look at notre dame being pretty much the northern school to get there other northern schools have gone michigan not far removed either but for the most part it's an it's an sec or an acc field event uh, and and some big 12 of course while there's still a big 12 but tennessee got bounced by the irish tennessee either love them or hate them because of their antics and their cockiness their brashness really awesome ball club but but 
got got beat. Is Tennessee among the best to not at least get into Omaha? Or to your knowledge, is there a couple of teams that when you were covering the CWS that were just really, really good and really, really loaded that uh, that, that didn't get the dog pile done? Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting question because uh, one of the things in baseball, and I don't know how many people are aware of this, I don't know how many people actually follow baseball that closely before the College World Series, but I, I believe it was 1999, the very first year of the Super Regional format, was the last time that the number one overall seed won the national championship, which is amazing if, if you think about it. But at the same time, it's baseball, you know, and – it's just a sport that really doesn't lend itself to one program or one team in a given year being that much better than everybody else where where anyone would ever be a huge favorite. So I don't remember a situation like this where there was a number one seed that seemed to be a notch above everyone else that didn't even make it to Omaha. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's really what happened here. And most years there isn't a one seed that seems to be that far beyond everyone, but but to be playing in the toughest conference in college baseball, and to go through it with the record that Tennessee did, and and a lot of those games were comfortable wins. Like they they scored so many runs, they pitched so well, and, and then it came down to it. And you know, best two out of three. Um, they didn't lose two in a row, but uh, they they didn't get it done, and they didn't advance. And uh, and and that's really what it's all about this time of year. So. It's really hard to say that that's a huge upset, as big as it seems, just because I'm not sure that in baseball, and, you know, that it pretty much goes to uh, to any level, I don't know that there is a huge upset, especially not when you're talking about, you know, two out of three. You know, maybe maybe to a greater extent if you had a, a dominant team in Major League Baseball and, and they lost in a seven-game series, uh, but even then, it's just that's that's the sport, and you get you get the bats hot, or you have a couple pitchers that, that that throw well, and all sorts of things can happen. So yeah, it's kind of crazy that you've got uh, four SEC teams there, but what was uh, clearly one of the best teams that the SEC has had in quite a while is not one of the four. I look at growing up the the team that was always supposed to just go annihilate. Was was Oklahoma State? Pete Incavilia, Robin Ventura, yeah. <laughs> and and those guys would would come down to you know just outside of Memorial Stadium, the old Buck Belzer Field, and uh, <laughs> that was a treat, right? <laughs> Nostalgia, but they just smoke the baseball. I mean, they they Inky would would go yard fifteen times a series. It felt like, and Robin had an insane hit streak and. But they never they never got it done, and I no. I kind of liken when I was a kid watching Okie State, waiting for him to get to Omaha. They may get to Omaha, but they wouldn't dogpile. I look at this this Okie this Tennessee team a lot like that Okie State team with some some pitching, some hitting, and and they were left at the altar. Yeah, so the the one that, that comes to mind for me, I, I grew up a Mississippi State fan. That's where my dad went to school, and uh, I was in you know kind of the the middle school years during the Will Clark, Raphael Palmero, Bobby Thigpen yeah. days. And, and, I mean, they had Jeff Brantley. They, they had – that team was loaded. And I was – from a talent standpoint, it had to be one of the best teams to not win the College World Series. And, I mean, from a talent standpoint, it was probably one of the best teams to ever 
there ever was in college baseball, win or lose. Um, but, but, you know, last year Mississippi State goes into Omaha with, I, I, I think I can very safely say, not one of the five best teams in the history of the program, and yet it's the only one that's ever walked out of there with the trophy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and once again, I mean, it's cliche, but that's baseball. You know, it's just it, 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 it takes getting hot at the right time, and it takes some, some clutch hitting and, and stuff like that. And uh, it just, it's not a sport that really lends itself, especially with the college format, uh, to, the, to the best team having a great chance to win. Very, very different from college football, um, where, you know, where, where the, I mean, it's, it's highly unlikely that the best team is not going to be in that four team playoff. And because there are only four teams in and they've only got to win two games, uh, they got a good chance of getting through that. And so, you know, it, it's, it's interesting because you've got, um, you got one sport with college football where most of the time the best team is going to win. Um, I, I would say in college basketball the best team wins, I don't know, maybe half the time, mm-hmm. a little bit less than half. College baseball, if you can even say who the best team is most years, um, you'd have to say, based on the seeding, that they almost never win it. And, and so it's just, you know, that's why we love sports. They're not all the same, and, and they all have their um, different things about them that make them interesting, and the unpredictability of baseball is, is one of those things. Brad Edwards with us, Sale Varsity Radio. Brad, a long time with ESPN, college football author and uh, insider and a lot of years in Omaha covering the College World Series. Brad, going to go to football and some big picture items to talk about with you. And uh, we have the portal, we have NIL, we have the dust up uh, with with Jimbo and, and, and Saban and I bring that up just because there's uh, reports today and, and, and late last night that A&M was wanting um, the SEC to suspend Saban for. There's there's a memo or there's some some paperwork or emails imploring that the, the conference suspend uh, St. Nick, and it didn't go anywhere. But we also dove into to reputations, programs poised to change their reputation. It's cover story on ESPN.com. And there's four coaches on the cover here. Uh, You have Oklahoma State and Gundy and Jimbo and A&M, Cristobal and Miami, and then Mel Tucker at at Michigan State. And, you know, of those four, right now, uh, what program – has the best reputation of those four, Okie State, Miami, Michigan State, or A&M? I, I would probably say Oklahoma State at the moment Very as far as just consistency, you know, knowing what you're going to get from them every single year, and that might not be a championship level. Um, obviously, they uh, – they haven't won very many Big Twelve. In fact, I'm trying. Have they have they won one since Brandon Whedon? I, maybe no. not. But yeah. But but at the same time, you can generally count on them to be a top twenty team. And, and I don't know that you can say that for any of the other teams that are on that list. In fact, you can't. You can, you can't say that at all for any of the other teams. So I would say, from a reputation standpoint, um, they have the best reputation. But but is it what they want it to be? a top-20 team. I mean, everybody wants a, a little bit more than that. And, and you would think that with Oklahoma and Texas going to the SEC soon, the opportunity is there for Oklahoma State to, you know, become that team that could be a conference champion on a regular basis. So, 
So I, I, I'm not sure. I haven't read the article, but mm-hmm. I'm, I'm guessing it probably mentions that and gets into that with, with Oklahoma State. You know, A&M is a fascinating one just because Jimbo was paid so much money to take that job a few years ago, and everybody felt like if you're going to pay a coach that much money, he has to at least get to the playoff a few times, if not win a national title to justify it. And I have a lot of family that went to A&M, and uh, one of those is my brother. And my brother said something interesting at the time. He said he disagreed with, with that assessment. And he said, first of all, A&M has a lot more money than most schools. So paying a coach that much money is not as big of a thing for A&M as it is for, for, for a lot of schools out there. And he said, if you look at A&M since the Southwest Conference folded, so basically since the inception of the Big 12, pretty much every year but maybe two, three, I, I mean, we're, we're, we're talking 25-plus years now, um, every year but two or three, they have been a middle-of-the-pack team in whatever conference they've been in. And his point was, if Jimbo can just get them to where they are, pretty much what Oklahoma State is, a, a perennial top-20 team where they always have a number to the left of the name, which means that their highlights are always being shown on Sports Center. You know, he thought that from a visibility standpoint, from a publicity standpoint, that would be worth the money. If he could just make them relevant every single year, um, even if they didn't win a national title, even if they didn't make the playoff. Now, obviously, after this most recent recruiting class, the bar has been raised and, and you know, everybody – and it, look, and it also coincided with them finally – beating Alabama for the first time since Johnny football. So there is this belief at A&M that they've caught up to Alabama, which I, I think is, is a, a major stretch to say that. But, um, but, but, but yeah, but they, they believe that they're on the cusp, and, and so the expectations are going to be a lot higher for Jimbo. If you ask me to pick out of those four, mm-hmm. who do I think you know, maybe, I don't know, want to say has the highest ceiling, but I think is going to make the biggest strides, it's going to be Miami. And it's because they're in the ACC. And, and I, I think Miami has an opportunity in the division that they play in um, to, to get a lot better and become a factor uh, nationally a lot more quickly than, than they could with the same coach and the same players in a different conference with a different schedule. And so, uh, so yeah, it's an interesting group you mentioned. Well, it's just fascinating, and we turned it into to the Nebraska part of this because you have a lot of similarities with Texas and Nebraska with what ailed the teams last year. And I know you're not super locked in on on Nebraska or or even Texas, but you know you've you've spent a lot of college football Saturdays where you know Nebraska had an opportunity and didn't didn't deliver. And it's now year five. There's been. A lot of portal acquisitions, Brad, 15 new players and some high-profile guys. And you also have some pretty high-profile coaches that are, that are on. Nebraska's got to make, uh, make some chicken salad here uh, with uh, really great ingredients now. But it's, it's, uh, it's easier said than done to, to throw it all together in this kitchen uh, and, and do well, Brad, uh, for, for Scott in year five. Yeah, the transfer portal um, is an interesting addition to college football. And it's really not – I've heard Nick Saban mention this uh, a few times. It's not the portal itself. The difference, the the change, if you will, is 
that players are eligible immediately. Um, and, and so th- that's that's not the portal. That's a, that's a change in legislation that allows players to not have to sit out that one year that they previously did. And now it just it all creates a situation where you know you can you have free agency, you know, and and you can go out and get some players that have already played at the college level. You, you know a lot more about what you're getting than you do when you sign a kid out of high school, even a five-star kid out of high school. They're still an unknown. There are a lot of five-stars that don't turn out to even be all-conference players. Um, but when you get a guy who you've already seen play at the college level, and especially if they played in a Power 5 league, you pretty much know what you're getting. And so there's an opportunity to go out there and, and – fill some holes on a roster and, and plug them, you know, with a guy who's going to contribute immediately. And, and so it, it, it really enables a program like Nebraska that was close in a lot of ways, just, you know, really close to being good last year, um, that if they can just get better at, at, you know, maybe three positions in a hurry, um, they can have a much different season this year. Now, will that happen? I don't know, because everybody has access to those same players you know, coming in immediately as, as transfers and whether someone will get, you know, better results out of it, like Michigan State, for example, yeah. last year, uh, get better results than Nebraska. I mean, that, that remains to be seen. But, you know, we talked about it with, with baseball and how most of the time there's this fine line between number one and everyone else. And, and you know, most years it's, it's not that big. Um, and, and that's why it's hard to call anything an upset. Well, you can't say that in college football. Not, not at number one, and, and, and a lot of times not in the top four. But, but once you get outside of the top ten in college football, I, I think there's not a lot separating, let's just say, number 15 and number 60 in most seasons. And, and Nebraska last year was a great example of that. I mean, there was nothing about them that you would say, hey, they, they, were, they were possibly a top 25 team. Obviously, when you have the record they did, no one's going to say that. But at the same time, you look at all the close games, the games that just came down to the wire, and a lot of them were against top 25 caliber teams. And, and if you do that on a consistent basis, it shows you're not that far away. And so the opportunity is there with the right quarterback, with the right transfers who can play immediately at certain positions. Maybe. I mean, look, like once again, Michigan State is the example of, of what you can do through the portal in just one year, and uh, I don't think it's going to be the norm. I don't think you'll see a team accomplish that every single year, um, but it happened in the first year of the portal, and I, I know we'll see something like it happen again at some point in the near future. Brad Edwards with us. Brad, it was awesome to get caught up, bud. We'll, we'll talk again sooner rather than later, and thanks for a few minutes today. You got it. Thanks, Chris. Good to talk to you again. Like what you hear? High-quality radio and podcasts are just part of what we do at Hale Varsity. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor. I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe promo code GBR. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Another Tuesday with Kaz, Rick Kaczynski, 
joins us, longtime coach at Iowa and Nebraska. Kaz, uh, we, we kind of both grew up in the 80s and in the 90s, and I saw this on social media, and I was like, you know, I don't know that he would have tried to pull this look off, but but maybe, and we've gone into 80s fashion before. Did you ever have the, the popped collar with that sweater kind of wrapped around? Did you ever just go? Stop did you, talking right now. Just stop it. Just stop it. That's not allowed in Erie. I know that's the response. Are but, you kidding me? I, I would. I, honestly, first of all, my old man wouldn't have taken. He wouldn't have let me leave the house. <laughs> all right. And secondly, my mom wouldn't have bought me those fruity shirts. <laughs> all right. And third, if I if I somehow managed to make it to East Twenty Seventh in Ash. To St. John's, I would have got. Uh, I, I wouldn't have made it to the front door of the school bus. So yeah, I'd have been. I would. I would have been in lost and found, putting on some, uh, putting on some new gear, right, and had some ice on my lips. So to I, answer your I, question, I, absolutely not. I didn't know absolutely if, not. If after a croquet match, you said, "I'm just going to pop <laughs> yeah. this collar and." <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No. Friggin', we we wore. We, I wore navy blue pants and baby that was our uniform. So the first first nine years of my uh, education were uh, I wore navy blue pants and in um, in a blue baby blue top. That was that's what the Catholic schools wore up there. So okay, so everybody very Orwellian kind of nineteen eighty four ish, but you know everybody was 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 high and tight. Everybody was clean cut. Everybody looked the same. So you had your Slayer T-shirt underneath. Kids wore corduroys and made a bunch of noise going down the hallway in the winter. So they had a tough. They had a tough. The old corduroy. Do they even make corduroys anymore? I bought a pair of corduroys. Oh gosh! No, this was years ago. Before you start piling on. <laughs> I, I had a I had a I had a black. You were pair. able to purchase them on your own. So my point being, you you, you bought them. Your parents didn't buy. Oh them. no, they they you bought, bought them. they bought them. I think I had a charge card that got me down a, a bad <laughs> rabbit hole in the uh, early years of post marriage. You know where? Hey, great! It's free. Oh no, it's not. It's twenty seven percent. Ouch. Uh, Kaz, let's uh, let's get into some football. But I just had to ask about the uh, you know the the summer attire after tennis. Um, <laughs> Iowa, really good story in the athletic where they pull five different high school coaches. Now the coaches' uh-huh. names aren't given, but it's five different regions, and Iowa right now has the smallest population with. Two that that has two power five schools in it. You have Iowa State. You have Iowa, and yeah. it's it's nuts to see the last six years what Iowa has done, and they're producing. I think they've doubled. They've doubled in three star and up prospects. Uh, usually, it was about eight eight or nine kids a year that were Division one, Power five, Group of five, and now it's 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 up to. I don't know. I think they've produced 81, 82 uh, kids at that level since since 2017. I wanted to get your perspective because all of these high school coaches were asked, A, how's Iowa and Iowa State do keeping in-state kids in-state? And, you know, Iowa and Iowa State do a nice job of that. But you have so much infiltration because it's borderless recruiting now, right? I mean, Nebraska's always tried to get in there. Missouri, 
Kansas, uh, the programs in, mm-hmm. in, the, in the Big 12. You were on both sides of it. You went in and recruited Iowa for Nebraska, but you also had to protect the border when you were trying to keep kids in uh, at Iowa. What was that like? Yeah, I mean, you, you know, Shreddy, I mean, the, it's no different than, than anywhere else. Uh, you always have the advantage when you're an in-state when you're an in-state school, mm-hmm. especially with a kid and his family, you know, uh, there's, there's, I, and, and I mean, I, I, there's, I have a lot of respect for Iowa State, always mm-hmm. did. That was the toughest game on the schedule um, year in, year out, um, you know, for Iowa, especially when I was there. It's just a ton of respect for them, the way they, those guys played and coached. And their fans, the way they packed the stadium. But, you know, Iowa, you know, recruiting an Iowa kid in Iowa, actually pretty easy there you know very few kids that uh, that we that we wanted that we didn't get and I, I don't i don't care where you are what state you are you know if you got if you got 10 top players in the state you're not going to get all 10 mm-hmm. you know that's ohio that's Pennsylvania, that's pennsylvania alabama you know florida it just doesn't work that way um you know you're gonna have a kid that maybe you know moved in you know no ties or wants something more, wants to go south, wants to go west. Um, but but once again, we didn't get caught up in all those things. I mean, it was, okay, here's, 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 a, here's a guy in state. You know, we knew about those guys early on. Um, great relationships with the high school coaches, and, and that helps tremendously. You know, Kirk was great about opening. I mean, you know, those coaches worked, uh, you know, they worked our camps, um, you know, our clinic, I mean, our, our clinic was a three-day clinic. I mean, those guys had carte blanche. They, uh, you know, come to practice anytime. So, you know, we knew them, you know. Head coach knew them. Assistant coaches knew them. So, you know, you, you knew about kids early on. Hey, you know, you heard about kids in eighth grade. Hey, this kid's going to be a player. This kid's a Hawk fan. Hey, this kid's this. So you had a lot of the inside tracks there on, on a lot of those kids. And then, you know, you have guys that was it, man? I think Pershbach or a guy at Ross, that, that tackle who went to um, Alabama. Mm-hmm. It's tough. It's still, if, it, whether you're from, if you're a Hawk fan, um, you grew up a Hawk fan in Alabama, just, you know, won four national championships to recruit you. Yeah. You, you become a Crimson Tide fan very quickly. So, you know, really, you know, when you're in state and you got a kid in state, yeah, you, you got the built-in, you got the built-in advantage. So yeah, you always got to, you always got to do the right thing, um, and recruit the kid on early and and often and all those things. But I think too, you know, a place like Iowa, you know, Kirk, Iowa, they never worried about the recruiting rankings. You know, they, they really don't care about that press conference on signing day, the old school signing day. You know, so and and that man, it just takes a lot of pressure off because you know your coaches sit in the room, you're watching tape, you see the kids in camp, you know, you know the family, you know the character, you know what the coaches said about them, so you hedge those decisions and and you know we were never counting on anybody to come in and play for us as a freshman at Iowa to help us win, you know, contribute absolutely, but you're not counting on anybody that wasn't on campus during spring ball to help you win football games, unless it was a junior college guy, and we just didn't take many JC kids there. So, you know, you built that program, you developed those kids. And uh, so you can take a kid that might have a UNI offer and a Ball State offer, and nobody really cares. You know, they don't care. Neither, neither did the coaches and neither did the head coach. We weren't worried about ever went into the, uh, you know, the off season. You know, we were more concerned what we were doing in the weight room and, 
and not doing on the field in the fall. So, you know, I think, uh, you know, they probably do it as, as good as anybody considering the, um, you know, how small the state is. But, you know, that still, you still double the state, double the population of, of the state of Nebraska, if I'm not mistaken, which is probably close to 4 million people in, um, in Iowa, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Yep. But also give the high school guys a lot of credit. I think it's very, I think it's very well coached high school football very well coached i think uh, also too what i noticed about the iowa kids is uh, you have a lot of athletes you have a lot lot of guys that play multiple sports and i just i, I you know you just can't uh, i can't tell you how important that is to you know develop an athlete i think that's why you see so many 245 260 pound offensive linemen you know four or five years later weighing 305 and, you know, got a size 38 waist and, uh, you know, getting drafted by the NFL because they, you know, in high school they played basketball or they wrestled or they played baseball or they ran track. So I saw for all the places that I, that I, that I worked, um, I thought the high school football was as well coached in the state of Iowa as anywhere that I have been. I thought the coaches' involvement with uh, with the universities, you know, both Iowa and Iowa State, and the openness of the universities and the staffs. I think that was that was critical. And then um, I just also think that having kids play multiple sports. I think you you have way more athletic kids in the state of Iowa than people think. Kaz, just to, to piggyback on that topic just a little bit here, I mean, when you look at national recruiting analysts, they say that there's not the kind of talent in the state of Nebraska and within Nebraska's 500-mile radius to, to sustain success, but your guy who's been down in the trenches, you've experienced it, you, you've recruited this region, do you think there's enough success in the 500-mile radius around Lincoln to be able to su- sustain the kind of success at Nebraska that, that the fans expect? Absolutely. Are you, are you going to win national championships? No, you, you got to get a kid. You got to get a special guy here and there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, is he in the Brett? Could be. You know, you could have Eric Crouch. Absolutely. Um, do you have enough to win the conference in this? A- absolutely, man. I mean, you got blue collar kids that play in cold weather. Uh, you got good high school football, well coached high school football. You have good academic schools. You have guys that understand the tradition. You got guys that want to play in the Big Ten. So, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I got to be honest with you. I thought it was pretty dang easy recruiting at, at, at Nebraska. I mean, I, there wasn't – there was very few guys that I – mean, I'm talking D-line that, that I wanted personally that we didn't get. I mean, hell, we went after Randy. You know, we got him. Go look at Joe Keels. Go look at who was recruiting him. Go look at his offers, Texas, Southern Cal, Penn State, everybody in the country. We got him, Wisconsin. He was committed to Wisconsin. You know, some things happened, you know, some things happened to Joe, and it, it just didn't work out. Great kid, got his degree, but, you know, go look at who was recruiting him. Go look at who was recruiting Peyton Newell. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Greg McMullen, we beat Ohio State on. You go down the list. I mean, Malik Collins, you know, and Missouri had it going. And Kulikowski was there. Yeah, that dude put a. You know, Missouri was putting D linemen in the NFL. They had a really good defense. Um, you know, the, the their D line coach was uh, was was very well known and respected. You know, they were they were hard they were hard to beat, man. You know, but we were we were beating Oklahoma on kids. 
um, you know, we, we got pretty much who we wanted. Go Vincent Valentine, we beat Florida. I mean, go look at his offers. Beat Illinois right in his backyard. Um, you know, but also, you know, what helped was you could tell the NFL. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I could I could I could tell a kid I can go in on a recruiting visit, say play for me and go to the NFL. This is who you look like. And uh, you know, uh, you know, I was fortunate enough to have some good players that made me look good, and I, I could sell that when I went to Nebraska. I could show film of guys who were playing in the league and what they looked like when they were freshmen and sophomores and in uh, in college. But a- absolutely. Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price. That means that you can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. And now Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We continue on a Tuesday with Kaz Moore with Coach on recruiting the 500-mile radius. You know, the, the, more, the further out that you, that you recruit from your home base, the less and less you know. And I, and I know that, that's, that's very obvious. But the less and less you know, um, not only about the kid, but also about the coach. I mean, these kids, you know, you, if, if you have a coach in Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa, Nebraska, Missouri, can't they want you coming back year in, year out. So you know what? They don't sell you a bill of goods. You know, a, kid, a guy in Florida, he can sell you a bill of goods on a kid that probably can't play, um, and he don't care if you don't come back to a school because guess what? There will be 300 schools in there next May. You know, when spring recruiting opens up. So, you know, the further away you get from your home base, the less you know about a kid. And then also the easier it is for the kid to go back home. You know, when it's hard to transfer. It's hard to go back home. It's hard to go back to your high school on a Friday night when, you know, things aren't going well for you and you want to transfer, you know. So I think that just there's, there's, plenty, there's plenty of talent. But also what you got to do, you got to win games because also there's, you know, you know, Iowa, I mean, they, they recruited who they recruited. But, you know, and, I, and to be honest with you, when, when I was at Nebraska and, and when Bo was there, there wasn't too many head-to-head battles. There really wasn't. Um, but, you know, I thought that we had the advantage when, when there were. Um, I don't know who we lost to Iowa. Um, you know, same thing. I don't remember losing anybody to uh, – I don't remember losing anybody to, to, to Minnesota – we got A.J. Natter out of Wisconsin. He was one of the top players in the state at the time. You know, um, so, you know, we welcome that, man. You know, there's always a kid here and there that you, that you don't get, but that's everywhere. You know, Alabama, there's a kid here and there that they don't get. Clemson, you know, there's plenty of kids that Notre Dame doesn't get. You know, so um, I, I think what you got to really worry about is, is who you get in developing. And then, unfortunately, now hell, when they become players, now you got to keep them. Holy cow! I mean, this is this stuff is crazy. But you know, I know that was long-winded, but absolutely, there's enough talent. Absolutely, there's enough talent in the Midwest to uh, in, within the 500-mile radius to to compete in the Big Ten for Nebraska. 
couple more minutes. Rick Kaczynski is with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Kaz, it's uh, June, and it's off-season magazine time, and the anonymous coaches section of Athlon, this came out last week after we talked to you. You had an opposing coach sizing up Nebraska. Says in their division, Nebraska still has the best-looking roster. We call it the all-off-the-bus team because they look better than anyone else in the West pregame. Long, tall dudes, really athletic, and then after a quarter or so, you stop worrying because they usually hurt themselves. They struggle with turnovers, and then they struggle with technique. It's a culture issue. Uh, Defensively, they've improved but they've lost some of their better guys to eligibility and they're filled with transfers. We ask ourselves a lot what's going on over there because they're uh, pulling in good talent, have good resources, and the administration seems to have faith in the staff. They go on to touch on you know, uh, Whipple and how he's going to have to take over the, the room. Uh, what can they get out of their offensive line? They're talented enough, but for some reason Nebraska can't can't win and can't build enough. They go on to say that uh, if they can't get things turned around, all signs point that they're going to have to uh, to go some other direction. I, I paraphrased it, but man, I think that's a, a pretty telling assessment. What's your reaction to that that anonymous coach on Nebraska's well reputation in the West? You know, I, it's it's funny because when I was coaching in the Big Ten. At both staffs I was on, we'd always laugh, be like, "No, we're like, who? How do these people get in touch with you? Like, who the hell are these anonymous coaches that actually <laughs> talk to these mags?" Because in uh, you're talking the two staffs that I was on, mm-hmm. you know, Kirk, you know, when I had left, Kirk had been there what 13 years or 12 years, and then you know, Bo had been at Nebraska what seven years. And none of us have ever gotten a call from these magazines. So I'm not sure who, who, you know, maybe they, you know, these anonymous coaches, I don't know how they call them or how they contact. So you should do an expose on that committee. You know, yeah, I think you guys should really do an expose well, we'll, we'll, on we'll how get they on that. contact these anonymous coaches. But here, here's the thing. Nebraska, do the, they have everything they need to be more successful than they've been. I think that's how people view them from the outside. Mm-hmm. I think people recognize that it. It, it, it's unless you are, you know, Crimson Tide or Clemson Tigers or Georgia Bulldog, it's it's hard winning. It's hard winning year in year and out. And I think people recognize that at uh, at ninety eight percent of the programs around the country right now. But I think when you know when you're looking at it from an opposing coach and you you know if you take a step back from Nebraska, you say okay. Well, do, do they have enough to win more than four games a year? Absolutely. Okay, do they have a roster? When you look at them on the field, do they look like a team that should be winning more than four games a year? You know, absolutely. Okay, it is Nebraska. Do they have things that they can sell to win more games than they have? Absolutely. So I'm not thinking these anonymous coaches are saying, hey, they should be winning a national championship. But, I mean, let's be honest. Let's look at the West. You know, it, it, Iowa, Wisconsin, um, you know, if you're going to get Wisconsin, now's the time. You know, go get them. Go get them. I mean, it, it, I think it's, it's there for the taking. 
So when you look at the schedule, when you look at the West, I think people are a little bit, when they actually look at Nebraska, saying, you know, what's going on there? Why, why aren't they? And I think, you know, also what, what opposing coaches always stress, and I mean, I've talked to opposing coaches, you know, you just got to keep, you got to keep it close. You know, you know, you, you, you got to keep it. Can't let them get up by two scores um, because, you know, at some point they are going to screw up. So, you know, and I think there's a lot of kids that have been playing on these other Big Ten teams that have been in those games with Nebraska, and that's how it's gone. Mm-hmm. You know, they get down early, or you just keep plugging. You keep hitting them in the mouth. Eventually they're going to help you out. So I think that's kind of, you know, the M.O. for for Nebraska the last four or five years. So, is that a fair assessment? I think, yeah. But you know what? Who cares? It's an anonymous coach in a magazine, right? I mean, you know, so what, what do you got to do? Let's be honest. Go win some games. It's, it's a, you know, when people people stop talking. So it's, it's, it's all you got to do. So, you know, so I, I don't concentrate. I don't think about any of that BS in the offseason and all that. You know, right now I'm a coach. I'm a player. I'm thinking about what I got to do during the season, man. Yeah, I, I, very few people that didn't block and tackle that 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 whose opinions you know uh, about football counted with me. So you know, hey, it's entertainment. But right now, as a coach and a player, I'm thinking about, whew, all right, what, what do I what do I got to do to be successful? What do I got to do to make sure we don't you know we we don't do this anymore? That this this ain't happening. This ain't happening. You know, that's got to be the mentality. But I can understand why. Um, an opposing coach would feel that way, but man, you know, anonymous coaches and everybody just worry about yourself. That's, that's, that would be, you know, that's my message right now. Who cares what anybody else thinks? That's why you play. That's why you kick the ball off. That's why you run out of the tunnel. And that's why you feel the stands on Saturday to see what happens, man. Wouldn't be a whole lot of fun if things turned out how uh, these pundits uh, say they are or, or what their opinions are. So that's the great thing about college football and sports. It's up to Nebraska. They got plenty of opportunities to, uh, you know, put it right back in these clowns' faces. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, managing editor of Hale Varsity, and I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast ten dollars off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we produce: ten issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to hailvarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's hailvarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at hailvarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Rick Kaczynski with his Kaz. Last thought, are you uh, making your way to Omaha for your Irish in the College World Series? No, bro. I think I'm going to watch that one on TV. It's just nice beating old Tennessee. I tell you what. So, it, Tennessee must. I was at a baseball tournament on on uh, Saturday and Sunday, and that is, you know, I'm obviously an SEC country. And uh, man, let me tell you, there was, you know, it was a big tournament, and there wasn't a whole lot of there, there wasn't a whole lot of positive things said about Tennessee's players and coaches. So, so a lot of uh, a lot of SEC fans were pulling for the Irish. Um, so it was nice to see them. I caught. Uh, 
I caught the, I think the top of the eighth. Or I'm sorry, yeah, I, I caught, caught it in the top of the eighth and and uh, in the ninth inning there. So, uh, yeah, it was nice, man. It was nice to see him win, but I'm uh, I'm gonna enjoy that. Uh, enjoy that one on TV, brother. Unfortunately, as much as I'd like to get up there, my schedule not conducive with uh, with my schedule. So, but. Uh, yeah, if I go up to Omaha, I, I want to go there where, where nobody knows me. I'm gonna get in a little trouble next time I go up to Omaha. Go to that new that new bar, that Hale Varsity Bar. Well, we will uh, we will get you the VIP room set up, brother. <laughs> we'll have uh, we'll have that Templeton uh, on ice. Well, hold on, no, we won't have it on ice, but we'll pour it on some Not ice, ice for you. We we'll just drink it right out of the bottle, man. We'll, we'll just get you your own little bottle. We gotta service. get somebody. Is anybody in? Does anybody in in does anybody in uh, Nebraska, is there a distillery that makes rye or, or, or bourbon there? I mean, you keep sending me this Iowa. Templeton, isn't Templeton made in Iowa? Well, that's where the uh, the offshoot to uh, Capone's setup was. Oh, that's well, the old story. Well, what are we doing in Nebraska? You got we, Brickway. Are we Brickway making any bourbon or rye? Brickway does it. I've got, I got a place out in western Nebraska that uh, I have some of that stuff. It's It's not really... That far off from Crown, uh, so I have some of that at home. It's it's near a. Well, I don't believe you. I think you should send me some bottles. <laughs> I, I, I I'm not. I'm... <laughs> the tank is on empty, is what he's saying. I love it. Gaz, we'll do this again, man. Uh, I'll get back from Denver and we'll give you a shot, buddy. Thanks for the time. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Big thanks to Rick Kaczynski. A three segment. Uh, show with Kaz today as uh, Kaz bringing the good stuff as usual. Some quick housekeeping to bring you as Schmidt packs up and uh, heads off to his son's baseball game. Uh, the schedule coming up this week for Hale Varsity tomorrow, a normal show, Schmidt and myself. Then Schmidt off to Colorado on Thursday. So it'll be Will Wilson and myself taking you through the show on Thursday. On Friday, it's uh, going to be me again with a, uh, a co host to be named. Uh, at a later date. And then uh, Saturday, Schmidt will be back with us, joining us from Denver uh, for the Saturday morning edition. And then Monday, we'll have College World Series here locally on ESPN Lincoln. I believe Carney will as well in Columbus. We'll have national ESPN programming. So no Hail Varsity show on Monday. That's the lineup uh, coming up to you uh, the next week. Tomorrow, Schmidt back in 4 to 6 Hail Varsity Radio. A Huda Media Production.